What's up, folks? This is episode 32 of the Barebell Project. This is a coach talk slash coffee talk. I recorded it live on Facebook in the uh, subscribers group. And we are talking about the hold. Um, I did an Instagram story uh, Q&A earlier while I was on a ruck, um, kind of just getting ready for bow season and exercising, and this conversation came up. I don't understand the hold. What are you talking about the hold? Why is the hold so important? That's not exactly what was said, but that's sort of the tone of the conversation. Um, and so this entire conversation is about that. Um, I think you will benefit, especially if holding in the middle shooting barebow is something you struggle with and you need to make a change, this podcast is for you. So before we get into that, I have to say... Um, Huge shout out to our sponsors. Without them, the Barable Project, this kind of content, this information, the coverage from nationals, all of this stuff would not be possible. First and foremost, the OG sponsor of the Barable Project, Eric and Tracy Yost, Yost Archery. Thank you guys so much. Um, Paul Yeager from Yeager Archery Products, AAE, Arizona Archery Enterprises, XS Wings, Ben Starr. Um, love XS Wings member, Barebow Project 20 for 20% off. Um, and then our most recent sponsors, Hoyt Archery. Yes, Hoyt Archery and the Lancaster Archery Supply. These guys are rock stars. They support Barebow, they promote Barebow, and they promote all of you. So go check them out. And again, don't forget our Patreon page. You join our Patreon page, you get lots of exclusive coaching and other content which includes discount codes for many many of our sponsors check it out in the link to this episode thank you so much for listening have a good day got to hang out with at target nationals we had a great time what an awesome event oh crap i can't do that So this is a little impromptu, um, thanks to uh, Robbie Weisinger, who happens to be viewing right now, because, hold on a second, I'm just playing this bad boy. Hopefully the, uh, I can see the comments come through. Um, I did, uh, I went for a ruck earlier today, you know, that exercise thing we try to do. Um, uh, half exercise half getting ready for for uh bow hunting um and uh did an instagram post just asking for uh q a questions you know stuff like that to occupy my brain while i'm while i was walking and got a bunch of uh, pretty good questions actually um i might run through some of them real quick uh i just commented on with a, a gif of course um, uh, John Wirtz comment on a post about fat arrows. Um, but at, at any rate, the, uh, let me go through some of the questions real quick. Well, this is building up. Um, oh, you know what? I didn't even, I'm sorry about that. I had the volume on. Um, had a first question was, um, Indoor, field, outdoor, 3D, and why? Uh, actually, I missed that question and did not. Um, and by the way, 
I am drinking coffee. Um, this is special coffee. By special, I mean Jameson cold brew and some other stuff. But this is this is a this is a solid uh, combination. So we have until that's gone. But anyway, um, first question was indoor field, outdoor, or three D and why? I'm going to put I'm going to put outdoor first. Although I shoot better scores at indoor, I really really have love outdoor um it's, it's becoming it's becoming my favorite game um then i'm going to say as far as fun field might be number one as far as field but i have limited experience shooting uh field with barebow shot a lot of field when i was younger um but i love field archery i think field archery is probably the best discipline for teaching discipline um if you haven't shot it go do it it's absolutely the best um and then indoor archery and an outdoor sort of close but you know indoor indoor archery is sort of a necessary evil um it's it's tough it's a mental grind um but it's nice because you can get in a whole lot of arrows in a short amount of time so um let's see next question uh what is a piece of equipment nobody likes but you for example um uh, well, just one that nobody likes, but you use anyway. And I commented uh, that it's my finger sling. So my finger sling is um, like a traditional like index thumb sling, except it's a long piece, continuous piece. It's probably like a 10 inch, 10 inch long continuous piece. And I do double wraps on each finger because I don't like the single wrap. I don't, I don't like this. It's not stable enough for me. So I go with a double wrap where you basically um, half hitch it on your index and half hitch it on your thumb, similar to like, you'll see a lot of Olympic recurve shooters do with like um, shoelaces. So um, it's old, it's dirty, it's nasty. It might be smelly. I don't know, but it's, um, it's mine. And I freak out a little bit when I lose it because it's like the perfect length and the perfect feel and does everything just right. So, yeah. Um, do you have one arrow, like a lucky arrow, in case you must shoot and shoot off? Um, and my response to that was no. If I'm setting up arrows for indoor, outdoor, or whatever, all of those arrows are equally as deadly if they're in my quiver. Um, something happens where an arrow is like flying funny, it's not going to be in my quiver. So if it's in my quiver, yeah, I'm shooting it. Um, and then the last question was fat arrows or skinny arrows for indoor archery? Um, I played around with fat arrows, shot some decent scores with fat arrows, uh, specifically black Eagle PS 23s. I'm not, I'm not going to say that you can't because that's been proven wrong many times. Uh, Grayson has shot some amazing Lancaster scores with fat arrows. Um, Eric Johnson shoots, um, some, some fat shafts, um, birdie actually might shoot some fat arrows too, if I remember correctly. Um, I, I don't think there is forgiving. I think you need to hit a certain level of consistency before you reap any benefits of shooting a 23 series shaft or whatever. Um, the most consistent arrow I've ever shot is the Carbon Express RZ, which is limited on um, availability. So uh, this year, um, I'm going to try to 
make the Black Eagle Spartans work for indoor. Um, and they only go to a 500 spine, unfortunately. Hopefully that changes. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna give them a try. They're kind of a mix, you know. They're like a .204 shaft, so give those a try. Um, but anyway, so back to the topic at hand. Um, Robbie had had we were messaging back and forth, and I did my story responses on Instagram, um, and I talked about having those uh, EMS. Um, I was talking about holding and like how your commitment to holding has to be unparalleled. Right. And he was just like, what do you mean? You know, what do you mean about holding? And this is, this is what I have learned um, over the last three years of just sort of, sort of dissecting the bare bow shot. And, and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to start with a story of uh, I'm going to actually start with a story about Maggie um, you guys obviously all know who Maggie is and her shot was very unrefined up until about four months ago. She was shooting with her natural ability, but she had a very pronounced release and, a and her bow arm matched it. And it was just very, um, it was short and choppy, but it was still a very specific, um, you know, a break at the shot the, the shot broke together and it was boom and then you know finish um and for probably six to eight months prior to that i i continued to tell her we are not changing your shot because you're continuing to improve right don't fix it if it's not broken i said we will fix it when the time is right and there's two reasons behind that one because you have to be in the right mental state to accept a change and really put everything you got into it Two, she was still building confidence and still kind of finding her own way through the shot process right but the hold if you um if you don't have a very a, a very steady bow arm after the shot and you are breaking at your release and your follow-through that expansion that we see in olympic recurve the expansion that we see in compound we all want to do it together it, it wants to happen together it continually wants to happen together um and what what ultimately happens is if in your mental state if you are not so incredibly focused on the timing of the the release and the bow arm and getting the tip of the arrow in the middle holding it in the middle because we do want to trigger the shot we want to allow we want something to make that happen right well when you aren't able to get to the middle and we are reinforcing this even break at full draw as soon as we get to the middle, you can try to pause. I mean, that's the goal, right? The goal is to get it there leave it there and then just, you know, let the shot happen. In order to get it there and leave it there, the goal is to not allow 
the response, your body's response to the shot to make that big explosion happen. I've talked about it with, with so many people. And it wasn't until I got rid of, when I started focusing on the feel, um, the hold at full draw and the finish of the shot, making sure that this is matching the movement of this. Because if you are committed to holding in this in the middle, it's a lot easier. All you have to do is hold still instead of try to hold still and whatever your release looks like. If you can just get to the middle and hold and just focus on the hold consciously, eventually, as you train it, the subconscious will take over and allow that string to pull through the fingers. You know, and I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to Matt Zernzak for that video he put together. And I encourage you guys to go over to the push archery and, and pull up that video and watch all the different follow-throughs. Watch the bow arms. Robbie is the one who came up with this question. And I'm going to use him as an example. And, and Robbie, if you happen to have that picture of your last arrow um, in our shoot-off, post it in the comments. Because his, his, um, he went back to his Olympic style for a moment. And you could see that he was way out here like this. Bow arm was way, way, I'm talking way out. Like if somebody was standing next to him, he would have hit him with a bow. And because the, and this was like way out here. It was this big, huge, because they're fighting to be the same. The tension and direction always wants to be 50-50. Well, it makes it so much harder to hold in the middle when we start to anticipate that big break. So what do we have to do to be able to hold in the middle? We got to get rid of the break. Actually, you completely remove the, the break. So now I'm going to revert back to the original conversation with Maggie. That four-month time frame or whatever it was, I would say now she's, she's a very experienced young lady. So it was, it's easy to make these changes, but I finally got, we finally kind of reached that moment where I said, now, now's the time for the change. You know, as a coach, that's where you got to make that decision before someone starts to, as they start to sort of waver a little bit, you know, and there's not some consistency to their shot that you have to decide when do you make a change and what is the change going to be? I don't think there's a lot of people out there in Barebow that have the um, maybe the experience to know when that moment is, or even um, that's all right, Robbie, don't worry about it. Maybe post it later or something so that you can reference it to this live feed. This live feed is probably going to be deleted anyways, and then uploaded as a podcast. So, um, so then we made the change, you know, and if you watch, I've said it a million times. I'm going to say it again. You know, Grayson and John used to always tell me, Frank, just hold it in the middle. Just put it there. And I didn't understand. I, I, can, I was bullheaded and continued to try to have this like magnificent Olympic recurve release because I had worked so hard on that release to shoot Olympic recurve and it worked so well. I mean, it shot pretty good scores. Um, but it, 
it doesn't match with target panic, the ability to hold in the middle. So you got to get rid of the big break because on the big break, the big bull arm wants to match. And it wasn't until like it finally dawned on me, I was and and after taking my level four and trying to do all that extra stuff, and it just increases tension at full draw shooting Olympic recurve in that style because it's built to prevent collapsing. Well, it is, and it does do that, but when you shoot a clicker, it works. But when you can't use a clicker, that buildup of extra tension just exasperates target panic. So fast or, or go back again. Sorry, I keep getting sidetracked. Go back to the conversation with Maggie and saying, okay, now it's time to make the change. This is what I want you, want you to do. For those of you that are taking the advanced Sparebow seminars, you're going to get to experience this because this is what we're going to do. Um, I'm not going to, I can't go into full detail because, well, one, that just doesn't make sense into its podcast. You can't cover it all, but I taught her how to implement that idea of just focusing on the whole. And again, the mindset is take yourself out of the equation of shooting the shot and let the bow do the work. Remove yourself. Remove the necessity to make this magnificent, big, huge release. Remove the necessity of having this ex extreme back tension so that you have this big, huge, boom, explosion. You see it on Instagram all the time. Watch the people who post slow motion videos and you see all of these big explosions. You're only seeing the best of the best when it's on Instagram. You're not seeing the crappy ones, you can see that explosion. Get rid of the explosion. If you get rid of the explosion, you get rid of the antici anticipation. And it allows you to focus on the one thing. And for Robbie, this is where the hold comes in. Every single arrow, I would say out of 144 qualification arrows and all but two US Open arrows, as I came into anchor and I did the transfer to hold, I was saying hold. And I was saying hold as the tip of the arrow was going right to the middle of the target. As my week went, I shot better and better and better and better. That might be because it was the only 50 meter tournament I shot for the year, but whatever. And that necessity, it becomes a little bit more subconscious as you become more comfortable with it. However, relying 100% on the subconscious will be nearly impossible. I think when you get to the place where like Demer is at to be able to shoot two days at such a high consistency, you know, you have to look at years of experience. Don't expect to build um, up to being as consistent as JD3. In a two-day format with max score, very few people are going to get anywhere near him unless it's somebody that's shooting, has been shooting as long and at that level. Um, but, you know, anybody can get sort of lucky. I'm not saying that Matty Yakov was lucky at all. Not at all. I am saying that in eliminations, anything can happen. That's what I'm saying. Matty 100% deserves that win in the U.S. Open. 
Um, but it's different. It's a different style. It's a different format. Um, but when we're talking about long-term consistency and, and consistency overall, when we made this change with Maggie, and I'm sorry that I kind of like divert and then jump back, but when we made this change with Maggie, within nine to 12 arrows, her, her first words were like, the anxiety is gone. If, if, if you can pick a thing and make a change that's going to get your, your anxiety, whether it's target panic, Amy anxiety, whatever, get rid of it or maybe knock it back a peg or two, wouldn't that make your archery just so much more fun? Because let's face it, that's the thing that gets most people in bare bow. When you see the big, huge bow arms and the magnificent follow-throughs, and I use magnificent because I don't want it to sound negative. I mean, you shoot how you shoot, anybody. Shoot how you shoot. But sooner or later, you get to a point where like, I got to make a change or I got to do something if that's what your goals are, right? So case in point, that's where the focus comes in, that you try to reduce that movement. Going, going to the match with Robbie and the picture that I was referring to earlier in this recording, when you have those big movements, you build tension prior to that happening. So your goal, and I still 100% believe that the primary cause for target panic is negative tension. It's when we build up tension in, in areas that we don't need. Um, that can be your head and neck, your face, your grip, um, even shooting a tab sear. Um, builds up tension in the, in, in, in the, in the grip, and in, in the hook hand, or even a sear on the uh, front of the bow. It might help someone who doesn't want to change their shot be more consistent, and that's fine. If that's what you want and that's what you're going to work toward, that's good. Do it. Um, you know, maybe it's even a, a thing that you can do like every once in a while or whatever. But I think there's a higher level of consistency. And after kind of learning this and developing how to coach this, I think that there's, it's actually easier to shoot this way because the stress is just gone. If I would have, if you, if I last year, if I would have said, Hey, you know, I, I'm not going to shoot any tournaments next year, but I'm still going to shoot nationals and even get remotely close to a podium in either um, the nationals or the open, I would have said you're a fool. But changing to this shooting style, you don't have all of the extra stress because your only job is to hold and put it in the middle, enjoy the aim, and then let the shot happen. But there's a sequence that goes to that. And that's what you got to work on. Um, it's not going to be this identical for everyone, but you can't deny that, you know, there are, there are, um, there's, there's, this is a style that I think that you could sort of maybe not shoot as much um, once you kind of get it down and be more consistent. If you are super, super regimented and you practice 
super heavy with purpose and build up training for specific tournaments and stuff, I think, I think the sky is the limit. If that's the time that you have and that's the commitment you're going to make, I really do. Um, but you have to want to do that. You have to want to make those changes. You have to get rid of watching, you know, some of these YouTube personalities that are doing this big stuff and be like, oh, well, they're doing it. I should be able to, to, to do it too. You, what you have to do is you need to take a, 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 a look at how you're shooting, what your goals are and what your progress is. And if you're not making progress, then you need to make a change. You can adopt whatever level or type of shooting that you want. But if you get to the point where you're no longer making progress, where you plateau, where maybe you plateau and then you start going declining, you need to make a change. You need to look at what changed, what am I doing? What's the thing that's happening that's causing my scores to do this? Do I have shoot great 27s, 28s, and 29s, and then but once or twice every 30 arrows, I'm throwing a a 23, a 21, something below. I mean, those are score killers. And what is it? What is that thing? What are you allowing to happen? Is it your mind? Is it your form? Or is it, you know, are you constantly fighting like little mini drive-bys where you get just right there and you're holy, holy, holy in that last second, you go, you time it. You get stuck just below. Say you aim six o'clock, right? Yeah, yeah, then. But you get stuck right below because, you know, you want to, the bow arm and the release hand want to happen together. You get, you go and you're like, oh, so you just like move it the last second, boom, and you release. Trust me, I've shot 540s with that type of shot. It, it can be done. I'm not telling you, you can't shoot, but it's, it's shooting 540s in your range or in a local shoot is a hell of a lot different than shooting a 27, 28 average on the top eight shoot-ups at the Classic or um, on the U.S. Open or this 25-meter shootout at Vegas, et cetera, et cetera. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that – and that's where, that's where this change – this is where you reap the benefits of this change is in those, those, high, those moments of high personal value. Those are the moments where this style of shooting, this is where you reap those benefits. Um, Matty Yaka, when he first started in Baraboe some time ago, um, did some form evals on him. And we talked about that. I'm like, ooh, man, big, huge, you know, he dialed all that back. Look at the results. He is very much self-taught in, in, in most ways, but, you know, we all get videos and inquisitions and people we talk with and, Hey, can you help me with this? You know, all the time you have to look, you have to adopt a form that works in all conditions, not just the comfort of your own range. In my opinion, shooting this way um, is the most calm and just chill and easy way to shoot in those moments of high personal value it actually allows you to remove the value out of the moment because you are so ingrained in that one thing and that's the hold. so 
Let me uh, take another sip here. I think that's about it that I wanted to cover for tonight. I wasn't going to plan on being long. Um, I'm working during the day now doing other stuff. Um, so the coffee, the coffee talks in the morning are going to be difficult. Um, so, but you guys have any questions, um, any responses, um, even if you want to hop on the, uh, the live feed and ask the question in front of everyone, just shoot me a, a PM real quick and I'll let you come on and ask the question. Um, while I'm finishing this, whatever, doesn't matter, comments, anything. Um, let me see here. Oh, no. Yeah, let me know. Um, otherwise, I hope everybody's doing well. It's kind of good to be back on here. Uh, a couple of podcasts coming up couple of announcements. First of all, um, the Bearbow seminars, don't forget those. Um, High Desert Archery, Reno, and uh, First Flight Archery, uh, that one's in November. Um, Reno is in uh, October. Um, watch for podcasts coming with Martin Audison, Cynthia, um, the masters group, if I can get them all together, I'm going to do a podcast with the masters group from target nationals. Um, and I think that's it for now. There's some other stuff pending, but that's going to be out of ways. So, um, yeah, holler at me. You guys got any more questions, any comments, any, make sure I didn't miss anything. Robbie, if you're still watching, do you know what I'm talking about now? Or does that explain it a little bit better from the Instagram story Q&A from earlier today and the messages that we were going back and forth on? Trying your style and I get good results, but during scoring, I tend to go back to bad form. So that's, that's common and that's going to happen, but that's where the drills come in. And, and you have to remove um, the thing that's causing you to go back to your old form. It's probably up here. Where is your brain at when you are going back to your old form? What is your own cue that you use to make sure that that alignment is spot on, that that hook is set perfect, that you are able to anchor Go to the middle and hold what is the cue that you're using. You know, I'm all about mantras. Mantras are good things. I've, you know, that's been around the archery industry for decades and decades and decades. Use one, but don't half-ass it. Use it every single arrow and practice it. You know, and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go on a little bit of a rant. If you're still developing and you're trying to to build a level of consistency and you're not doing shooting drills, you're doing a disservice to yourself and you're prolonging the amount of time that you're going, that it's going to take you to get better or reach your goals. Shooting drills are the most important thing that you could be doing as a developing shooter. Um, The thing that makes us get better is shooting good arrows. The more good arrows we shoot, the better we get. We etch 
a little thing, a little memory in our brain that makes it easier for us to repeat that arrow the next time. So how do we do those in high volume? You do shooting drills. You do the draw holds. You do the, the best drill. You do the um, blind bail and all that stuff. And then when you do that, it's going to make your journey a much smaller one than if you were just, for example, just shooting arrows. That journey might be this long, whereas if you're doing drills, it might be this long. So that makes sense. Um, yeah, so. But yeah, good luck with that, um, Shaz. It's, 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 it's not easy at first because it's so goes against the grain of what we see most Olympic recurve coaches teaching. So, you know, and let's face it, we're verbo, we go against the grain, but we just, we complicate the shot process so much and you don't need to, you just don't need to. It took me two years to figure it out. Um, and, and I've really changed even the way I coach. Like it's, it's really, you know, I set out in this journey with the Bearable Project to learn how to, to, to dissect it and then provide the information to people. And, you know, I wasn't prepared uh, or I was willing to put myself out there and do the things through that journey so that I had some actual substantial ground to stand on when I say these things. It works, dude. The results are there it works you just have to decide what your goals are so charlie when applying shot bows not jumping forward as much finding the same thing don't even need a finger sling if you don't you definitely need a finger sling um you definitely need a finger sling so if that bow's not jumping at all you're probably still putting tension into your grip and holding the bow right before the shot breaks or after the shot breaks, that tension is continuing to build up. You're probably still holding it. It's probably in your grip. Um, and you don't even realize it. And that's going to, that's going to bite you. Get a finger sling. I tuck my fingers. My fingers are tucked. They're like, they're this, these two are probably against the riser a little bit, but they're just curled. They're relaxed, but they're curled. And the bow just literally, I mean, you can watch, again, watch the video that Matt Zernzak um, on the push from Outdoor Target Nationals, watch all of the different follow-throughs and then watch the follow-throughs of, you know, the, the people who maybe finished a little bit higher and see the differences. Those who are committed to that bow arm and, and it's, again, you're committed to the finish of the shot. It has to be very specific. So in order to be specific with that, that means that you're not building up excess tension to do all of the extra stuff. We shoot lower poundage that like, oh, back tension, back tension, expansion, expansion. If I, if I finish here, I know I'm, I'm ex reached my maximum expansion or whatever. Hey, that's good and all. If you're happy with your results, do you do you, but you still have back tension when you are just holding. The only thing is, is that you're allowing that string to pull through the opposite reaction of your body as the string pulls through is, is just whatever it is, you know, if you're shooting 40 pounds, it's, that's going to, 
think about this for a second. If you're holding 20 pounds on your finger, that reaction is going to be a lot smaller than 40 pounds. If you're holding 50 pounds in your fingers, that reaction is going to be a lot bigger than 40 pounds. Be, just think about that opposite and equal reaction to the tension that's going toward the target. So everyone who's shoots three different bows, but all of their follow-throughs are this or whatever it is, that's you adding into your release. That's you adding tension where you don't need to add tension. If you just let the tension be the opposite of the tension that is on the string and just let it happen, wherever that finish is, allowing that bow arm to stay in the middle until that arrow is out. But because we start anticipating, again, these, these two hands want to work together automatically. We, as soon as we think about re reacting here, we start to react here. And if we're not in the middle, we're going to drive toward the middle as the release happens and we try to time it. Call it a drive-by, call it a jump in. I don't know, everybody's got names for it. If you are going to do that, right? If you're going to try to um, make that happen, you are literally playing with fire. So get rid of the necessity to do that and make holding in the middle, holding at full draw part of your shot. When you get rid of all that excess tension, that buildup of the explosion, it becomes a million times easier. That's all I can tell you. So just about done here. Well, I'm not even close to done. That's a lot. Dan McCullough. For those of you who don't know Dennis, he shot against John, gave him a run for his money in the U.S. Open. Dan had a good weekend, uh, made some major improvements. Um, he's out there doing trills right now. Well, Dan, you know, my place is always open to you, buddy. I know you're an hour and a half away, but, you know, come visit. So, all right, everyone, that's about it. If you have any uh, questions or whatever, you know the routine. I'm doing limited remote coaching right now. I just don't have the time to add any more people. If you need, like, some specific, like, help, we can do that. Um, but it's just, I'm just too busy. Um, yeah, I'm just too busy. So, but those of you who are getting ready for hunting season, me being one of them, good luck. Um, get after it. And, um, yeah, that's about it. I'm going to go spend some time with the fam. Um, we'll see you guys soon. And thanks for all your support of the Barebow Project. Peace out.